You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks supporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Eric. Uh, I have to get up very early to travel tomorrow. And let's just say if the Bucks had lost, there's no way I'd be talking to you right now. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Bucks did win tonight, uh, 114-102. And, uh, you know... Um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of film that the coaches are going to be able to take a look at in this game and maybe have some teaching lessons. And it was uh, not uh, the kind of performance that you'd say was, um, you know, the, the Bucks' best win of the season, the Bucks' best, Bucks best performance of the season uh, against a Jazz team that was missing a couple of pieces and then lost Ricky Rubio early on. Um, but it was still like a really, I don't know. I mean, it, it, watching it on TV, it felt like a, like a fun, satisfying win in part just because of, man, Giannis against Rudy Gobert, Thon Maker having his best game of the season, one of his best games of his career. Um, I, I don't know. It was just a, it, it was, there was definitely a fun aspect to it. The way the Bucks went down in the third quarter, um, shades maybe of Toronto potentially, but instead they, uh, they really put it together and um, close out a game that obviously uh, you really want to close out and finish up a, a homestand five and one and head out on the road uh, feeling pretty good about yourself. I got to say, man, Quinn Snyder's a lunatic, just a <laughs> straight up lunatic. I was talking to Tony Jones, my uh, jazz brethren at the athletic and just like, you know, we all, we always talk about bud and you know, when was the first time we had this? After the Boston game, I think we had this conversation where you're like, you know, is it better to, you know, play the system and get to know your system or is it, you know, better to to coach game by game? And, you know, like I, I generally think the logistics of having team-specific looks, game-specific looks is just incredibly difficult in an NBA season. Quinn Snyder is crazy enough to do it. Like the, the, that was just a bunch of stuff. And, and there's all sorts of motion. There's triple handoffs. There's ball screens. There's Spain PNR. There's there's all this stuff that just goes into that first half of the Jazz deciding, hey, we have a bunch of stuff that we've planned specifically for the Bucks, and we're going to make them look really silly throughout all of this. And I mean, that was the first half, right? Like just watching kind of the Bucks playing catch up that entire that entire first half is they were trying to figure out like, what the hell is this team doing? Like uh, uh, there's guys running a- across the floor here and now there's some screens here and they've moved the ball five times. As I said, this sentence, like what, what is going on? And, you know, uh, kudos to Quinn Snyder for being able to cook it up like that. But he is, he is a damn lunatic that, <laughs> that he has that kind of 
that kind of stuff ready game by game. And it, it just looked like, uh, I know I tweeted it with three minutes left and, uh, you know, the bucks are incredibly talented. So they're able to keep it closer than, than maybe some teams would. And eventually the jazz ran out of gas, but you know, with like three minutes left in the half in the first half, I just said the bucks need halftime badly. Like they just need a chance to recollect their thoughts and think through all the things that the jazz are doing and, you know, really try to, just catch their breath because the jazz have them on their heels there for, I mean, the entirety of the first half. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, at, so you didn't have the benefit of this cause you were obviously at the game, but, um, assistant Charles Lee was interviewed by Katie George coming out of halftime and he made a comment. Um, you know, Katie asked about the defense, what they could do to improve the defense. And he kind of smiled a little bit and said, you know, they had a plan for, um, you know, the personnel and who they needed to guard <laughs> and who they didn't more or less was, was the effect of it. So it was kind of interesting. Like they clearly had ideas of who they wanted to help off of and who they didn't. And, you know, it felt like pretty much everybody that was in a corner in that, especially in that first half got an open three point look if they wanted one. Um, and I think that's yep. one thing if it's Derek favors and it's another thing, if it's like Jay Crowder, um, and uh, it, I, I was just trying to look at the shot chart. It looks like maybe the Jazz are something like seven out of nine or something like that from the corners um, from three, which I, I'm almost shocked it wasn't even more. Um, it felt like kind of a vintage Jason Kidd yep. Bucks performance where the Jazz um, <laughs> on numerous occasions just picked the Bucks apart under the uh, Jason Kidd regime to, uh, to get lots of open threes. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it was it's it's fun watching the jazz because you know you, you think about like different well the ways different guys play pick and roll and um like you know whether it was neto or um donovan mitchell or or joe ingles um ingles probably played it the straightest from those side pick and rolls but um like neto and, and mitchell in particular like, they love to put you on their hip put you in jail you know, go sideways, yep. like not you know, do anything but go directly at the basket. And it's just, it's just so interesting to watch, you know, as like a basketball fan, just to see how they try to just like basically bend the defense and make you go places and, you know, basically be drawn in to, to free up looks. And, um, you know, I just thought the jazz did a great job of uh, for much of the game, especially in that first half of just sort of, um, you know, it, we talk a lot about like Giannis's gravity, but I thought like, the individual ball handlers and those pick and rolls in particular, like they just did a really nice job of, you know, basically manipulating the defense to, to help in ways that, that made it hard. Um, but then as the game went on, I mean, we saw some really tremendous defensive plays by the Bucks as well in some of those situations. Um, no more tremendous than Giannis on a pick and roll that would turn into an alley-oop for Alec Rudy Gobert. And um, the way Giannis the, the Giannis recovering. Well, to just even- wait, start with Brooke Lopez. Like Lopez was jumping out way too early on those to start the game. And then he blocked that one, right? Like it's a I Lopez block. And then- yeah, I think he def- or it, it might've been like a deflected. It looked almost like it was a deflected pass. And then I think what, like Mitchell got it back or somebody got it back yep. and then tried to throw the lob for Gobert, who, you know, was like three or four feet clear of Giannis and Giannis you know what it reminded me of I mean it was a different type of play but it reminded me a little bit in terms of showing off Giannis's closing ability um reminded me of that play against the Warriors a couple years ago where Giannis was like basically defending the ball handler and basically forced the ball handler to throw an alley-oop to Draymond and then he recovered off of the ball handler to block Draymond at the rim and um I mean this was obviously um you know Rudy Gobert uh the man he's going head-to-head with for the NBA dunk lead um I mean, to, to be able to snuff him out at the, at the apex um, was tremendous. And I, I thought that was probably the most impressive 
sort of play out of all the Giannis versus Rudy moments. And, um, you know, that was probably the biggest wrinkle that, that Quinn Snyder threw at the Bucks. you know, throwing his all NBA, all defensive, defensive player of the year center, Rudy Gobert, uh, onto Giannis and basically saying, you know what, I'm not going to let you sort of trick, you know, I'm not going to let you pull Rudy out to the perimeter to guard Brooke Lopez. I'll throw Derek favors out there. And, um, I thought that was really interesting. And it's, Kind of one of the, an interesting thing that I, I sort of wonder if other teams may do more of sort of throughout the season. Um, obviously, Gobert is kind of singular in terms of, you know, what he can do in terms of protecting the paint. But um, Giannis couldn't buy a hit a jump shot to save his life tonight. But man, I, you have to respect his just fearlessness of trying to go at Rudy Gobert time after time after time. And he was not efficient. This was a uncharacteristically inefficient scoring night for Giannis. I mean, he took 30 shots. I don't know how he takes 30 shots. And he, yeah. I don't know how he takes 30 shots and only take, get six free throws. Um, that's a very, but ask the same question post game. Very interesting question. Um, he did, he did at least manage to get away with just literally holding Joe Ingles foot uh, on one play that led with, on Baker Dunk. so maybe got back a little bit there, but um, yeah, really interesting game from Giannis. Just, Kind of one of those uh, gladiator slug slug uh, slug fest, and I guess actually our our friend of the pod Sith Lord on Twitter probably put it best when I kind of referred to the two of them just being monsters going at it, and um, Sith Lord said it reminded him of like the t- you know like Pacific Rim, right? This, these <laughs> you know, the oh massive, the kaiju's the massive robots versus the kaiju's. I don't I don't know who's who in that one, but um, you know ultimately Giannis uh, Giannis came away with the win tonight. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just kind of, uh, I mean, just a strange thing to see. And, you know, you mentioned like, oh, well, other teams do it. And, you know, I think for most guys, Giannis is going to be like, all right, I'll take your center. Bring him here because I'm going to just Euro step past him or or whatever it may be. And, you know, I mentioned in the post game to him, I was like, you know, what was, you know, this had to be kind of strange for you. Like typically you have a power forward that when you get by the basket and you pivot a couple times, they bounce off you and you're able to dunk it. And, you know, with Gobert, you can't really power, you can't power through him. And if this isn't the most Giannis quote I've ever heard, I'm not really sure what is, but he said, I'm still stronger than him, but he can get the bump and he can contest the shot because he's so long. It was hard. It was hard trying to finish over him, which is like the kindest uh, the most uh, respectful way that Giannis has like ever talked about someone defending him at the rim. Like uh, that's just uh, every time you ask him about someone's defense, he says, "Oh no, you know, I just miss shots. Like I, I just wasn't aggressiveness. Uh, wh- whatever it is, like he'll just say that it's about him." And you know, this is the first time I can really remember him saying, "You know, it was hard. It was hard trying to finish over him." Um, but still, the flex from Giannis that I'm still stronger than him. Like it was, it was just hilarious to me. But um, it, it was, it was wild to see Giannis just go at him again and again and again and again. And yeah, 30 field goal attempts for Giannis is an insane number. Six free throws on 30 field goal attempts for Giannis is an insane number. Um, so uh, I'm, I talked about it a little bit on my uh, appearance on Chuck and Winkler this morning on 105.7 FM, the fan. And you know, I mentioned the fact that I don't think Giannis gets a great whistle. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, kind of the idea that, Officials just don't really know what to do with uh, with Shaq dribbling into his 
dunk attempts. And, you know, I thought tonight was kind of a great display of that. Like, I don't think they had any idea what to do with a guy that kept challenging Rudy Gobert at the rim. And, you know, I think Rudy Gobert uh, as a former defensive player of the year gets a lot of, uh, of a benefit of a doubt at the, at the rim because, uh, just of who he is. And, you know, I don't think he's felt that way at many times this season <laughs> as we've seen him pick up fouls and get ejections because he's not getting the calls that he wanted. And, you know, tonight I thought it was the opposite. Like they really let him play. Um, but it, it just was strange to see Giannis not at all deterred by it. He just kind of kept going right at Gobert's chest and was still going to try to pivot by him. And even through that elbow at him the one time as he chicken winged him and uh, ended up picking a, a foul there and ends up uh, getting all six uh, of his fouls used on the night and falling out. But, you know, it was I, I can't think of two uh, heavyweights going at it quite like that, um, really, in I don't know, since we, we've really seen Giannis become uh, the the destroyer of rims that he is. And I just thought that was amazing. And then, you know, uh, beyond that, I mean, Thon Maker at 15 points in 18 minutes. Uh, I mentioned that this was a, a approaching the Thon Maker game uh, kind of territory. And, you know, obviously his 23-point career high in Detroit against Detroit where – Giannis told him, if you don't shoot it, I'm going to punch you. And uh, he had that insane catch in traffic uh, that Giannis should have never thrown to him. He had threes in overtime. He had all this stuff. That's the that's the gold standard for um, that's gold standard for Thon Maker games. But tonight, I mean, 15 points on six of eight shooting, 18 minutes, uh, five rebounds and assists, two steals and just working his ass off trying to get a body on Rudy Gobert and keep him off the glass when he was in there for those 18 minutes. And, you know, I thought he held up pretty well. Um, obviously he doesn't secure all of those rebounds, but he's just fighting that there was a, a box out from Bledsoe the one time that kept Gobert away from a rebound. Uh, there was George Hill pushing his body around Sterling Brown, Chris metal, like that just everyone on that roster was somehow in some way <laughs> trying to keep Rudy Gobert off the glass. And, you know, as a team, I, I think they, they really executed and, and made sure that their team effort paid off in the end on Gobert. Yeah. And, you know, we talked a year ago um, when we talked about the Bucks horrendous defensive rebounding a year ago, you know, one thing, as someone whose wife is a Rockets fan and thus watched a lot of Rockets, I noticed with that team was, I mean, the Rockets played small a ton last year, but they were a good defensive rebounding team. And it just seemed like they had a great kind of gang tackling approach to rebounding. And the smalls were seemed to be very cognizant of coming down and, and helping, you know, even if it's not grabbing a rebound, just batting it to, to somebody else. And, you know, even if you don't have the biggest guy down there, if you can have more numbers, you're you're probably going to come away with with a rebound. And I thought tonight was a great example of that. You know, Thon obviously physically is is overmatched by a guy of of Gobert's size and and strength. Um, sorry, Giannis. You know, Rudy Gobert is still pretty strong. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, as you said, it wasn't just Thon. It was uh, the Smalls. It was kind of everybody. I think taking that kind of team team approach and um, you know batting balls out and you know. You know, uh, you know the, the. I just thought of Urson. You know, the ultimate tipper of of shots. Well, I don't think it was really Urson <laughs> doing much much of that. But um, but yeah, I thought it was um, you know, just a, a really kind of great team effort to try to slow him down. I mean, Gobert, fourteen points, four out of eight shooting, six out of ten from the line, fifteen boards. Um, he only had one block, which was interesting and probably you know the most telling stat um 
was the 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 Jazz were minus fourteen with Gobert on the floor. So um, you know, I think that you know says speak says says a lot about the way that the Bucks were able to overcome obviously Gobert's you know tremendous ability to to deter shots at the rim and you know points in the paint. 68 to 36 in the Bucks' favor. I mean, that that's pretty incredible. I it didn't feel that that um, that significant watching the game. I mean, obviously Giannis was really only able to score at the rim, um, you know. But Brogdon did a great job getting to the rim. Um, I thought you know Thon obviously did really well, um, and you know I, I still don't know how that adds up to, to 68 points. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just obviously a um, you know, a tremendous, uh, a tremendous job by, by the whole team to, you know, even though they you know, only nine out of 25 threes, um, but they did a great job. And I thought it, it, it's interesting looking at the Bucks kind of shot profile. Um, you know, it, it kind of makes sense. You know, the, the jazz basically said, all right, we're going to put our center on Giannis and basically tell Giannis to go, to go beat him. You know, um, mm-hmm. we're not going to double triple. We're not going to throw tons of bodies in the paint, try to try to clog everything up. Although they did that at times, but, um, but the result kind of is predictable. Giannis takes a ton of shots. Giannis scores a lot of points and, you know, not a lot of, you know, open looks, not a lot of threes for everybody else. Um, you know, Lopez three out of four threes, but I mean, a couple of those were like very well contested. Like, you know, one of them was like, that, like step that back one three. step back is the most ridiculous shot he's hit this year. Yeah. I mean, it's like, why are you even shooting that? But, um, I mean, yep. you know, he's, he's really gotten to the point where, I mean, the dude like has so much confidence right now and obviously the, the you know, perpetual green light. So um, just nine out of 25 threes from the Bucks, 14 out of 37 from um, from the Jazz. So, you know, minus five, minus 15 points all told from uh, from the three point line. But the Bucks just, you know, obviously just kind of bludgeoned them to death inside, even if, uh, you know, Giannis and company weren't necessarily all that efficient shooting. Yeah, um, I guess looking at some other stuff in the box score, uh, I thought that might have been the worst game of Bledsoe's season. Uh, I'm trying to think of one worse, but you know, three of eleven shooting, six turnovers, yeah. just didn't really ever get into flow. Seemed uncomfortable throughout the whole night. Made I thought some kind of boneheaded decisions in transition, uh, and then when that was. Those are the most vivid um, defensive lapses I can remember. Like there was a number of times when he had Howell Neto and just like just totally forgot about him. And he was just getting backdoored and just didn't appear to. And, you know, part of that might be he was he was pissed off that he wasn't covering Donovan Mitchell because, you know, so often this year he's gotten, uh, you know, other teams, best guards, but largely the bucks didn't really put him on Mitchell. They had him go off uh, onto other players. And, you know, I don't know if that was part of the lapses that, you know, he just didn't feel like he had a great guy. uh, So he was going to be a little bit more lackadaisical, but, I just didn't think it was a great night for him defensively. Um, And then Middleton had that really hot start. I think 11 first half points, nine in the first quarter, maybe. Um, And then slow down the second half. And, you know, ultimately he's probably going to be mad at Giannis for missing that sky high alley-oop where I think Giannis could have fair caught it if he wanted to. Um, But uh, didn't get an assist there. But, you know, I just... 
I, I will say Chris looks largely like the guy he was before the slump, like where he was taking pull-up threes and doing some of that and uh, two of five from the three-point line, both pull-ups tonight. Um, but I didn't think the best night for him. And, you know, I thought Malcolm Brogdon was just huge where they they go on that run to finally regain the lead in the second half. And it was on a couple, essentially Brogdon isos, where he just had Neto on him and said, yeah, I'm better than you. I'm bigger than you. I'm quicker than you. I'm just going to get to the basket. And, you know, that's kind of when you're talking about the bludgeoning of, of the Utah Jazz, Malcolm Brown is a big part of that, that he goes eight for 14 on the night, 21 points, had that huge corner three, his only attempt from deep on the night. But, you know, 21 points, five rebounds, five assists, eight of 14 shooting. Like uh, if there was, uh, you know, criticisms for him uh in that raptors game i thought tonight he was uh, he was the bucks next well no maker was the next important most important but brogdon was probably third there in line um if you're looking at performances on the night yeah it was interesting because bledsoe seemed to be perpetually um perpetually kind of like lost and and like the way the jazz like shaded him in pick and rolls and stuff like he seemed to be the most thrown off by gobert's presence um and Brogdon mainly because it just seemed like you know he would just basically take kind of just straight line drives on his guys and you know whether it was Neto or Donovan Mitchell he just took right to the cup and um, you know it's kind of one of those things like people like kind of look at Malcolm Brogdon and I don't know like he kind of had that rap coming out of college like well he's not that athletic it's like Malcolm Brogdon's athletic like he's really quick like he gets yep. his shoulders even with the defender like so often. And once he's even with you or slightly past you, it's over. Yeah. He's too strong. He's too big. And he's got, you know, good finishing with either hand going left or right. Um, you know, he's, uh, he, he's been, I, I think he's gotten, you know, he, he started off the season scoring well, but I think he's gotten better and more complete in just sort of like in, in the broader sense, I felt like his defense at times, like getting over screens, I think was more of a challenge early on. See, I haven't noticed that as much, still not great at that phase of the game. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think that in general, like he's, he's just been so steady um, of late and, you know, what has he still only missed one free throw on the season? I mean, like they never talk about it cause I don't think they want to jinx it. Um, but at what is he like shooting 97% from the free throw line or something like that? Right yeah, now? I think he is. Um, so I, just his steadiness has been a huge asset. And again, I mean, you know, like when you kind of need a bucket, you know, obviously Giannis is your main guy. Um, but in terms of just like creating something out of nothing, I mean, I think you can make a good case that Brogdon's your next best guy at doing that because, you know, Chris obviously can't you know, really get to the rim with ease. He's, he's going to, you know, he can create like yep. mid range jump shots, which, you know, okay. It's okay, but not, not great. And Lopez obviously isn't generally going to do that. And Bledsoe, um, you know, is more opportunistic, I would say, even though he's been a great rim finisher this year, he doesn't just, you know, he's, he's small still. Right. So he needs to kind of pick his spots yep. more. Whereas Brogdon's just like, Oh, okay. I'm just going to do this. And, you know, he's not really operating in pick and roll. Generally. He just, <laughs> just puts his head down and goes and, you know, he's not necessarily. There was that one that he got. Yeah. There was that one he got on Donovan Mitchell where, I swear Mitchell, his foot was out of bounds, like totally cut off the baseline and somehow Brogdon just got around him and just finished. And it's just like, I don't, I don't even know as a defender what you're thinking, like how cut off does this guy have to be 
for me to actually get this stop because somehow he just does it. And like you said, like it's largely not out of pick and roll. There, there's there's very rarely advantages created for Malcolm Brogdon. He just just kind of goes and somehow it, it manages to work out. So yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it's really impressive. Uh, and yes, uh, only one missed free throw on the year, 67 of 68. Um, if anyone looking to blame Frank for his missed free throw in Houston, uh, that it's, it's at F Madden NBA. Um, so make sure you can send that over to him on Twitter. Um, I think that's going to be it. Uh, I know he's, li- he's literally, he's literally a 99% free throw shooter. <laughs> that's, that's pretty, it's ridiculous. Pretty damn good. By the way, um, Shout out to so it was kind of funny. Bucks just ten turn. I was looking at like how did they, you know, they had a what like a one thirteen one fourteen offensive rating, which is tremendous against a you know jazz defense that has been playing much better. And I mean they're an elite defense, right? I don't know if they're. I think they're in the top handful in the league. Um, and um, I was kind of looking. I was like, well, they didn't shoot great from three. Giannis wasn't efficient. They scored a ton of paint points, but you know, not a lot of guys really shot that well in this game. Um, and it's kind of interesting. And then a lot of times I look at turnovers because that's kind of like a kind of quiet way to, to increase your efficiency and um, you know 11 turnovers given the pace the Bucks play at that's that's a really positive thing they've generally been you know on the certainly much higher end of the turnover spectrum and um, you know Bledsoe the only guy that struggled with turnovers he had six out of the 10 individual turnovers there was also a shot clock in there and uh, Giannis just one turnover which has been a rarity for him um, and I thought even though he fouled out it was kind of a late breaking foul. He, he didn't get into early foul trouble, so it didn't really impact. It was just him challenging game. everything that Gobert did at the rim and Gobert challenging everything he did at the rim for the final like eight minutes. Like just those two just like yeah. hitting each other again and again. Yep. All right. Um, I think we're good. Uh, I know you have a uh, travel to do in the morning and I'm okay with wrapping it up. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot more to get to, uh, you know, wait, 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 we got to We, we got to acknowledge so on TV, it seemed like the like the moment at which um, like the crowd was was on the verge of just completely losing it and going nuts and blowing the roof off the building. It seemed like the point at which we got that the closest to that was on the play, which was kind of like the like you know um, I don't know I don't want to call it Greek tragedy because because it, it ended well, but um, the well does, do greek tragedies end well I, i'd probably need to go back to like a 10th grade uh, english class but oh, the play where thon gets it under the basket yep. he like gets stripped by haul net of yep. all people literally the, the smallest guy on the court and then thon just and it was like oh you know it's we're teed up for another frank joke about thon's gingerbread man hands <laughs> great you know eric's already like getting pissed off in his head that you know uh, we got the gingerbread meme coming back but no Thon Maker, just when you think he's got, you know, it's it's another kind of weak hands play. He guts down, he gets dirty, he somehow rips the ball away. It kind of fumbles around, bobbles around, comes up with it. Joe Ingles tries to get in there, fellow Australian, and Thon. We usually don't use the word muscles as a verb <laughs> with Thon, but he fought through. He literally went down to the ground, ends up somehow getting back back up with the ball and finishes through contact for the N one Giannis like goes nuts screaming at him in excitement, like comes up right behind him. And um, I, I don't know what it, it seemed like that. I forget exactly where that was that early fourth quarter or something. It felt like that was a really big kind of galvanizing moment for, for the bucks in this game. And um, you know, just a really fun, uh, just a really fun moment and, and kind of, 
capped off or you know capped off but was just maybe the the most memorable night of of a really memorable or sorry the most memorable play of a really memorable night for for Thonmaker. yeah it, it, i asked Thon after the game like you know the bc could get pretty loud did you have you felt that in the the last couple games like on that play is that did that remind you of you know kind of what can happen in the playoffs and he said you know during the raptors game there was a couple of those but yeah, he's like that's that's the closest it's felt to uh, you know some of those huge plays in the Bradley Center in the playoffs. Uh, he's like, so I'm just excited for Pfizer form in the playoffs. Like it's gonna get crazy in here, and it was just like, yeah. Brooke Lopez says something about Thon being the spirit of the team. Like that every time Thon does something, the team just gets an even bigger lift, even if. Every other player on the team would do the exact same thing for some reason when it's Thon, just because of the kind of teammate that he is and how supportive he is of everyone. Brooke is just like, everyone just loves those moments more. And, you know, I just thought that was, was kind of the perfect capper to Giannis or to Thon's, excuse me. Uh, you know, Thon's big night where he, he just kind of comes out and uh, especially a game after picking up a DNP where he could have helped against the Raptors. Um, he gets to, he gets the stage and he, he takes full advantage of it. So yeah, uh, a great night there. Um, okay, we're going to leave it there. We will record again tomorrow. Um, the Madden household, uh, we'll see if they can Civil survive War. on Wednesday. I'm sure we'll preview that tomorrow because it's going to be nervous times uh, for the Madden household. Uh, someone protect Matilda. Um, that is going to be it for us for today. Bucks win 114-102 over the Utah Jazz. We will talk to you tomorrow. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks. Talk to you tomorrow.